Hello. Welcome to Respectfully Podcast. I'm Nikki Pope. And I'm Lily Cox. And this week we're talking about what we learn from the past and how this can help shape the future of hairdressing. Yep, our first guest this morning is Brett McDonald, the founder of Cult Education, um, twice nominated as Hairdresser of the Year and winner of the coveted Australian Creative Force Award. Brett is also an educator, designer and visionary um, for more than two decades now. Andy Heesman is with us. He is the International Creative Director at Rush Hair and a founding member of the award-winning Rush Artistic Team. Quite a formidable creative force these days. Another avid educator, Andy is renowned for his creative and technical cutting skills and passion for the craft of hairdressing. Welcome, Welcome guys. Great to be here. Hello. <laughs> so let's kick this off. One foot in the past, one foot in the future, or know the past, shape the future. There are various ways of saying it. We brought you guys here to have a conversation about how important is it to reference or learn from what's gone before. So we've got some really strong heritage in hairdressing, the likes of Tony and Guy, Vidal Sassoon, yeah. Raymond, lots of names, particularly in the UK, and I'm sure in other territories, I think, Brett, you've worked in other countries a lot, as well as Andy travelling. Yeah. So first thoughts? I think, I think you know, those guys, we have a lot of credit to. I mean, they've laid the earth, definitely, in a lot of the past things that they've done. Um, you know, they've sort of set, you know, set the theories down, graduation, layering, and one length and the way we followed it but and it's you know we owe a lot to them for that yeah. definitely yeah. but I think it's you know the ideas are set but I think to be honest with you education is growing and developing and I think it's becoming stronger in hairdressing lately um, due to a lot of lot of aspects but yeah they've laid the soil so we can kind of grow if you like yeah. so yeah and now it's up to us to run with it Brett mm. what's your immediate take on the yeah, I think, again, like you say, there's there's lots of things changing in hairdressing all the time. And I think it's important that education does change. Um, I think it's, it has to stay moving forward for it to be effective. Just to, like they say, if you want to stay where you are, you have to change. Yeah. Um, so I think I think hairdressing has changed a lot, even just in the short period of time that I've been in it. But um, I think also what I do love about where we're at with education as an industry at the moment is how much more accessible education is to yeah. so many people. And I think because of that, I think it is great that we're having this conversation and we're starting to think, okay, what is important in education and what can we use from the past and perhaps focus on for the future to build better education for our industry? Yeah. Would either of you describe yourselves as coming from a particular school of hairdressing? So Lily and I come across people who would say you know I have a, a background with Tony and Guy and that kind of almost gives us a little bit of a clue as to where they came from would either of you describe yourself as coming from a particular or not um I think I've, I've got a mixture of both actually because I started in uh in Tony and Guy years and years ago back in the 80s but the guy who taught me was Sassoon hairdresser so I had a very very strict background um but I, I got to see the cross diversion of both the styles you know, working in that, in that environment, but being educated by someone who was very, very disciplined from from that background. Um, so yeah, I think it's that. But I think, to be honest with you, I look at it as like I think there's good training and there's bad training. That, to be honest with you, and I think if you're educated the correct way, 
Yeah, so it's you know, not necessarily discipline, about discipline, 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 yeah. clean section, head mapping, ensuring that you know you're, you're encouraging your students to give their best and really care about what they do. That's what makes a great hairdresser, I think, to be honest. It's, it's having those strict beliefs and fundamentals in yourself, but also a belief that you have to, you're only as good as your last haircut. That's an old saying, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's, you have to have that kind of mentality that you care about your work. Yeah, and you think that gets instilled at the beginning. Yeah, I think it does get instilled in the beginning. I think you, you, your educator should make you not only believe you can do it, but you want to do it, you know? And it's committing to being a good hairdresser. Yeah. It's very important. So it's interesting, you say, and we talk about this idea of do you see yourself coming from some sort of heritage, and you put Sassoon's and Tony and guys quite sort of or different. Well, just, so yeah, to speak, in some respects. Actually, in some respects, they're, they're actually exactly, very similar. Exactly, 100%. And I think this is something that we also have to remember. Before all of that, we had the older French ways and, and you know, the, the more traditional ways, and I think... Yeah they're the ways that we need to now adapt into we forgot them for so many years yeah. and it all became about Sassoon's and Tony and Guy and nothing to take away from yeah, any that's of right. you know yeah. I've, I've, you know I respect all of those institutions and they are institutions but I think also as educators we also now need to look forward and say what can we actually maybe what did we just leave behind that we actually should be using yeah. there's so many great things in dressing of hair yeah, and, and styling of hair and and really sort of the classics that that we sort of maybe forgot to some degree that I think we should be really educating young people in or just in general my stripping it right back stripping it right back yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and adding that in and and that doesn't take anything away from the fact that you're a great precision hairdresser or great technical colorist but you should be able to also do Marcel waves you should be also able yeah. to set you should yeah. also be able to play with that and and that's something for us at Colt that's really, really important. We really try and put those two together and we think about that as, a, as an inclusive way and a new sort of way of actually looking at how we teach and, and what we put in the structure of our education for our, either it's our assistants or whether it's external education yeah. that we take out to, to the industry. I think that's a really good point actually, to be honest with you. I mean, it, 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 at the moment, when we're looking at education, I think, to be honest, if you're looking at that, that point of view is really good because it will then advance because a lot of the looks now could be just a bob but it's if you dress the bob completely differently yeah. and you apply a different product to it and you kind of work it up you know you change it up that way it gives it something completely fresh and you need those skills to be able to do that yeah and i don't think it needs to be we've separated them for so long it's been a world of precision hairdressing and you come from that or it's been a you're an editorial stylist yeah. and maybe you work in a salon but you're you're image based and you're magazine based and I think it's it's silly for us not to to think why can't we put them together? Why Merge can't we develop yeah. them? It's yeah. actually precision hairdressing in some ways is further from what the clients actually want these yeah. days anyway in real life. Mm. What what a client mm. does actually get when they go into a salon where they get like a very soft shape and then they they do get their hair dressed through like yeah. like it would be for a photo shoot or a magazine or a runway. So that's actually we're moving a lot further away from the technical side of cutting in some degrees with a lot yeah. of the clients and what the consumer wants as well. So it's almost like if we don't move forward, then we fall away from what those those clients are actually asking True, for. But, but you do need that skill, that baseline skill though, I think, isn't it? That's It's a horrible cliche, I, I'm not very keen on it, but it's like know the rules to break the rules. Yeah. I suppose it's kind of... But I think, You've got to have that foundation in what, order to move away from it. I think yeah. what Brett's saying is, I mean, the rules of setting hair and dressing hair are the same as when doing a one-length haircut. 
you need to know how to bend the hair, mold the hair, tong the hair correctly to yeah. get the correct result. And you know, from a consumer perspective, we should be educating that because it is really important. Mm. And it's something that we do sometimes brush under the carpet a little bit, uh, and we're guilty of. I mean, for us, us at Rush, we have an editorial team, we have a cutting team, we have a colour team. But what I encourage is that the session team and the cutting team work very closely together. So we improve our skills in that and we, we improve them in that because it is important. You do, it's, it's important to be a full hairdresser these days, yeah. not just, you know, a one trick pony, if you like. What would be the, your take on the attitude or the openness or not of people training these days? Are you having to sort of try and I think, I think one thing that I see these days is that young people want to learn. <laughs> they put themselves out there, like, like Brett was saying earlier, online education, field education. You know, they're watching Instagram stories a lot more. You know, everyone's trying to be more LinkedIn because they're actually caring more. But what we have to encourage is that it's repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, don't just look at it and go, I think I can do that. Master it, practice it, practice your skill. You know, it's okay trying to tongue and going, tongue in a quarter of a head and going, oh, I think I've got that now. No, it isn't about that. It's about completing the thing, keep doing it, keep doing it and improving. That's, that's where we need to go with education. You know what I mean? Making sure that people have that kind of... Back when I trained in the beginning, it was we had that attitude where to get good, you've got to keep doing it. Yeah, put the time you in. Can't, you can't just do it once, no twice. You've got to do it all yeah. the time. Repeat, repeat, repeat. Get five blocks and do a bob before you know you can do a bob then tong it five times before you know you can actually do it. Mm. Don't just say, oh, I've done it once and that's it. No, it's not like that. You have to practice, practice, practice. Mm. Yeah. And for you, Brett, are you, what are the challenges that you're noticing with your... I think the interesting thing, there's always challenges when it comes to educating. Mm -hmm. any, <laughs> anyone who's educated for any pinch of time will tell you there's always yeah, issues, yeah, whether it's around the amount of time that they want to dedicate, whether how they get paid for the time, whatever. But I think one of the... One of the interesting things is, um, like we were saying, like how many young people are engaged with it. But also, I think what's what's quite interesting is the fact that now we're starting to educate more purposefully. We're starting to educate with purpose. We're starting to look at it and think, okay, we don't just need to teach teach hairdressers the A's and the B's and the C's. We need to think about how can we implement or how is this education going to help them be effective on the salon floor. Just the other day I had a meeting with somebody in Siberia of all places and they said to me, would you ever think about doing a course for people over 45? And I said, the translator translated wrong, yeah. it was quite interesting. I said, for hairdressers over 45? And he said, yes. And I said, I think you translated wrong. And he went back to the people and they said, no, no, for, for clients over 45. Right. So I've got <laughs> clients coming to me asking to develop a course that's just designed for hairdressers in the salon how to handle hair for clients 45 to 60 because that's a big part of what we tend to do in salons yeah. realistically yeah. Um, we also just did like a long hair course and it was just simply looking at interesting ways of layering and playing with long hair and then also implementing that idea of dressing the hair and looking at it from more of an editorial finish so that the, the staff and the client or the, the students feel comfortable manipulating hair and, and not just looking at it from a technical, again, A, B, C sort of formula. Yeah, so it's kind of getting more of a business. How can we take this into our business? How can we 
marry this with the clientele. I think blow dry bars um, are a good example of the last ten years. How that's something that would never have existed yeah, before. Yeah, it is a new market, isn't it? You know, it's a new market that now people need to sort of know how to to blow dry hair. You yeah. know, well, a lot that, of our clients want to know how to look after their own hair. That's that's the that's the thing, and I think that's one of the hardest things as a hairdresser. If you're going to, going back to the floor. You know, it's very hard actually learning techniques to actually teach the clients how to do it. Yeah. You know, because when you actually go to it and you actually hold their hands and you show them exactly what they need to be doing, that's a skill in itself, yeah. to be honest mm. with you, to, to be able to communicate with you, to tell you, this is how you iron your hair, this is how you, you curl yeah. your hair. That's a hard thing. I'd, I'd, I'd go on a course like that. Because <laughs> <I do. laughs> and more and yeah. more hairdressers are wanting that because yeah. they want their hairdressing education yeah. to be effective for them yeah, as well that's right. as a tool for them in their salon. Because more and more hairdressers are recognizing their own personal sort of business within their businesses, so to speak. And yeah. we've developed that as, as salons and as companies. You know, we've, we've said to them, you know, you're your own business, you generate your own business. How do you develop your clientele? How do you retain your clients? How do you do this? Mm. We're all very aware of that now. We've got our computer systems that tell us all of those things. We monitor them. So these sort of things are now what staff are now going, hold on, I need to get up to speed with this. I need yeah. to, mm. these are holes that I have in, in my repertoire that I can actually work on to build my clients better. And that's, that's quite an interesting thing as well. But even going back to what you were saying about clients wanting to do their hair, yeah. I find actually what's really interesting is also the technology that's changing as well. Because oh, yeah, we're better. having a, we're having a real click with technology a little bit at the moment. We had the GHD straighteners, yeah. but now we've seen so many hot tools come onto mm -hmm. the market in a, in the last couple of years. Do you think that's going to play a big part in our future? Because I think it is. I think it, you know that's why I see hairdressing when I see the lines now on Instagram. You know they're better than they ever were. Yeah. Let's be honest, they're cleaner than they ever were. You know, no no retouch. Yeah. That's due to the combs are better, the scissors are better, the products we're using are better, yeah. the, the, the tools we're using are better. So yeah. you're going to always see an improvement, I think, don't you think, in, in the yeah. way that hairdressing is going to go. Like you say, the technology is going to play a huge part in, in the improvement of hair. Yeah, and also how clients expect to see their hair day to day. Even the clients, the consumer, is more aware of health and condition and that there are great products there to use in conjunction with these heated styling tools. 100%. You know, and, the, and the standard of, as you say, the tools, Andy, but the, the products that go with them is yeah. immensely yeah. improved. We're recently doing a, we're going to be doing a big project, a commercial project for Russia Lutron, a new commercial project. And the first thing we're going to be doing is putting, you know, a how-to with that you know, just a quick video, and that's basically for a consumer. How do they get that look, you know? It's very, very important. And that's what I think, how education has taken from the past and moved it forward. We're linking a lot more with the consumer better. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're linking a lot better, better with the client. Yeah. And it's becoming more relevant. It is becoming a lot more relevant. We're thinking about what we're teaching now mm. a lot more. I think it's really interesting. I think you have to do that as a, a hairdresser to learn the skills that to teach your clients how to do their own hair so that you keep them with you. They're not going onto YouTube and thinking they can do it themselves. It's it's almost like a, um, a reciprocation, I suppose, that it's like not only have you cut their hair, but you've also given them a practical skill that they can take away. Yeah, it's kind and of mentoring yeah, them. Uh, yeah, I suppose thinking like, oh, great, yeah. I didn't realise it was so simple to So where do we do see the future going? Where do we see it going, you know, with, well, with hair? In education as well, in relation to, I think we've also seen an interesting... Um, 
sort of spin-off in relation to head blocks in relation to education. Yeah, brilliant, yeah. You know, many years ago, that was considered very frowned upon. Yeah, that's to, right. To ever do work on a head block was very... It just wasn't happening. Now it's become not cool, at, isn't it? Not at a high level. Mm. Yeah. But now a lot of other people are using them. Actually, they're a really great tool that I think we can also use in our education. And I think for a long time, we steered clear of them, but they're a lot cheaper now. The we quality do, is do, better. We do all our classic work on blocks. Yeah. And, and all so our classic work on blocks, all of it. You know, if we're teaching like a one length, or we're teaching a graduate bob, or we're teaching a round grade. How do you, you know, how do you condense the class and make it more unified? Yeah. So, you, like walkthroughs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You now you're all doing the same technique. Yeah. You're all doing the same thing. You're following it. You're, yeah. you're literally. I'm walking you through it. Yeah. It's the simplest way of educating. It's clear for the students to understand. They get yeah. it quickly, yeah. effectively. Yeah. And also. It enables you then then move on to more complex things much quicker. Yeah, hundred percent. And that is good because the student doesn't um, have confusion. Like if I ask the amount of hairdressers from my day, how many round line halos they cut in their training, mm. I guarantee you they could count them on like two fingers or three fingers. Yeah. Now we've got head blocks. You can do them at one length, yeah. two length, or all yeah. various lengths That's right. until you get up onto the hairline with one head block. Yeah. So because of that, and we're learning things out of that, and we can we can help the students get a more fulfilled base. Of training. Do you think that's that. made education slightly more um, hands-on, workshoppy, rather than standing and watching? Because I'm sure, you know, when I was younger, you'd get the trainees would be like shadowing somebody in the salon and, and standing and watching. I think Whereas I think now kids want to have a go themselves, don't they? It's kind of, maybe that's in our psyche that we learn by doing rather than watching. Has I that changed? If, I think if you look at it, if you, if, like, like Brett just said, if you're going to cut a halo, for, take for instance, you would demo it, show them exactly what you would do, then you would get a block yourself, take the sections again, get them all to do it in unison. So it's, it's a controlled way of getting a great result. Yeah. So they all feel part of it as well. You're all walking through the same process. And imagine doing that. You can do that two, two, two times a day. You know, like do the same haircut. You could never do that before. You can't do that on live models. But it's no. like you also said, there's, there's understanding and there's doing. And that's the same with anything. You can understand a musical score, but you can't play the piano. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can read sheet music, but you can't play the exactly. piano. You know, or the same. So, and I think it's the same with any skill. It's it's a skill we have to practice it to be able to uh, to do it. And often the learning is in the actual the practicing. Exactly. And that's one of the good things about the head blocks is you can do them and do them and do them quite easily. You can do them without having to compromise for certain issues around the client yes. situations and stuff like that. And it makes it really sort of great to just fulfill the early the early part of the the, the learning curve i find and, mm-hmm. and i think that's where they're very effective and actually that's part of where education has moved forward yeah. that's actually something that we yeah, need definitely 100 percent. and i think it's great 100 yeah. percent. why is it that the head blocks then kind of fell out of fashion in the past people just didn't feel that they were realistic because they didn't have natural movement or to, what? to be honest with you i think i think I think, I think now, yeah, yeah, now, now that they've people have shown that it can be done. Right. So now there's a certain pride about the way it looks because people, you know, it's on Instagram. You can see how good they can look, and they mm. look realistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you can cut a block, it's, it means you've got good technique. And if you can damage, and I think back in the day, I don't think there was a lot of people leading the way in blocks. So there was a little bit of a kind of oh, if you cut a block, it always looks terrible, yeah. but it doesn't. 
It does, and it can look amazing. But also the blocks of the blocks have changed as well, and they're much better priced now. So, the, so I think again the combination of the technology behind the blocks making them a bit more affordable mm-hmm. and making them a bit more realistic. They're realistic now, Before yeah. they, the hairlines used to be really heavy, they would have blocks that were more so for setting, and you can still pick up blocks that are designed for long hair setting, and you don't want to cut a, a halo yeah, on one yeah. of those. Yeah. You just don't. But, you know, so and. You know, and they're very expensive because they've got so much hair in them, and they're designed for somebody to put them up. But right, I see. Yeah. So, so because of and that, the wigs and the pieces have got a lot better as well, and much the way they're stitched and so on. When the product companies come into this, because that seems to me something that's also changed hugely over the last three or four decades, is the amount of education that's offered or driven by the product companies, because clearly it's yeah. in their interest. So, is that? It makes, helpful, th- or is that kind of threatening to take over a little? I think a hundred percent in styling. You know, as Brett will probably agree with me, it's you know, it's a lot of it. A lot of it's about the product. You know, the support the product's giving you. You know, what, what textures you can create, what shines you can create, and the dryness you can create, whatever. So, understanding products has a huge, huge part. You need to know your products. If you're a session stylist or you're, you are doing shoots and so on and so forth, if you don't understand product, you've got no chance. You know, because you need to be able to set that hair and make sure it's going to last all yeah. day, you know, or, you know, however long the shoot's going to last. And you need to be able to, so you do know your products. Yeah, of course. And I think the the, the product houses offer so much education in that yeah. respect yeah. because they're supporting the hairdressers a lot more now, a lot more. Obviously, it's going to benefit them, but it is benefiting us, I think. Yeah, definitely. True. Yeah, I, I think I would agree completely. I, I guess I wonder where where they're going from a, from when we say taking the past and going forward to the present obviously there's been massive um developments in the quality of the the colors and and how much condition they keep in the hair and i think we're seeing that that hair's a lot better um, than it ever was and then obviously with all of the home treatments and the different mm-hmm. technologies and stuff i don't really know where that's heading it's really important as long as you know you know your products and you know the ones that do it right for you. Yeah. You know, and you have your taste. Yeah. <laughs> also, but also, I think fashion moves forward, and fashion dictates the sort of finish that That's we right, look yeah. for on hair and clients look for on hair. And because of that, the product companies try to stay up to date by adapting, them, yeah. in adapting yeah. as well. Sure. And so, yeah. some ranges are great ranges, but maybe that flavour of or that style of hair is not in fashion at the moment. So. You know, you see that in ranges that are really like maybe heavy and perhaps from the 80s. Um, I don't want to say any names, but you know, like they're, they're, you know, they're quite plasticky, some of them. And back then, that was the sort of look that yeah. we were going yeah. for. And now everything's about sort of like chalky, chalky texture, yeah. like a, a dry spray. So they've all bought out, they've yeah. all bought out a sea salt spray. So, yeah, yeah all those things. When, when you guys are creating something, say, you know, got a shoot or a create, really creative project, do you find yourselves sort of going back to um, a pile of tear sheets you keep in a box under the bed, or do you go and look at the history books? Do you look at the old movies? Do you find yourselves referencing things that you've discovered in the past, or how? I, how I, is try, it I, I, I try and encourage the team to move board from words a lot of the time as well. You know, have a couple of references. You know, but you know, get a bridge of words that you're going to work this collection from and keep within those words because I think otherwise how are you going to create something, like talk about something a little bit fresh because mm. if you're looking at something like and going, oh, I like that, I think I can improve that, I actually think you're limiting yourself a little bit. 
Yeah. You know, you're looking at the bob and going, yeah, I love this. I love the way this is going. But all of a sudden now you're just going to do that and you're going to leave a little bit longer at the top. I think if you're thinking about collection, work the models, look at the models and bespoke the looks around a series of words. This is what I try and try and encourage. Just so, because I think that encourages something a little, you might come up with something a little bit new then. Mm. But if you're looking at a reference that was done in the past and you're just trying to improve it, you're limiting. You're limiting right. yourself on, on the image. So would you not, so, you know, if, you're, if your team came out and said, hey, I'm going to, you know, we're thinking about the 60s, we're thinking about swinging London, we're thinking about things like that, would that make you instantly feel a bit like, ooh, hang on, or do you just go I mean, with it? I mean, do the word, yeah, okay, but you could use that in a word, though, couldn't you? You know, we're taking a 60s reference, you know, and lots of things come from that, the fashion, the makeup, so on and so forth. But what my point is, if sometimes if you're looking visually at an image, Mm. and you're looking at 60s Bob, you're limiting yourself a hell of a lot right. to come up with something very that's going to be a bit unique. So, you're, so that's why you would emphasise, get the words, but don't put a visual reference with it. Well, yeah, sometimes. You might have a couple of it, you know, but I, I can't stand it when, when they, they grab all these pictures and they go, oh, I'm going to copy that, I'm going to, I'm going to do a new version of that, I'm going to do... A, you're like, guys, yeah. you know? Yeah, look, at the mod, look at the model, work out what you're actually trying to achieve and come up with something a little bit different. And that's how you, you, you come up with things that are going to be a little bit fresh. Rather than imitation. Rather than, you know, imitating or trying to say, I can do that better. Because what do you like about that image anyway? Probably it's perfect. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? All you're going to do is, you know, take the model and advance it a little bit. But you're limiting yourself sometimes, I think. Yeah, for me, I, I I try to work a bit more conceptually, I think, sometimes. Because I find with really direct references, I feel like it's either very industry based and it looks quite hairdressery. And I find that that's something that I try to move away from. So I try to I try to like more so visually reference. So what I do see a lot of is when people, for example, like you say, like we're going to do the '60s, and it's far too literal. Mm. They've taken the '60s, and it looks like this pastiche from the '60s. Yeah. And you know, like you, you don't you need a nod to it if you're going to use it. For example, it doesn't need to be splattered all over the whole whole image. And what I think I try and do is I try to look for other areas of inspiration. Perhaps it's fashion, perhaps it's just a garment in fashion. And then once I've got that, then I think about the mood and how that how that woman would wear her hair if she was wearing something shorter or something longer yeah. or how that look then becomes a conceptual idea as opposed to sort of taking someone's haircut. And I'd, I would never start with a bob and say, okay, well, I'm gonna do a graduated bob and these are gonna be my graduated no, bobs and shapes. That's that just saying. doesn't work for me. Like that's yeah. just far too, hairdressery so to speak I try to take a conceptual idea um, as far as an image is concerned and I do reference the image because I am quite visual Um, but it will be something maybe just like fashion I'm interested to know for our listeners out there then what things from the past do you think may have been overlooked I know that people pay a lot of homage to Sassoon in particular sometimes we just start at Sassoon's and we jump off from Sassoon's and I think that's a natural thing because he did revolutionise hairdressing so much but if you also if you look back and I've looked through the really 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 like the very first educational catalogues at Sassoon's they were still putting rollers in hair back then they were setting the crown on the head and backcombing it still at that time it was still done with a precision shape but we now have moved forward to the point where we now consider that to be dressing of hair and no longer precision hairdressing. Whereas actually, they were just doing what was natural to them mm-hmm. at the time. And, and yes, they were 
they were reshaping it. But that that for me also says you know we should be looking back to like you know the French, um, you know some of the French hairdressers, even people like the greats that we've still got with us. Mm. You know Andrew Collins, he's a great, great, great hairdresser. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know Patrick Cameron. Yeah. You know? Well, there's so many of them are yeah. brilliant, brilliant dressers of hair and, and really, really talented. And then obviously we've got our massive session stylists as well. Yeah. But all of those guys offer education. They all offer really structured, um, brilliant education based around like long hairdressing mm. and stuff like that. So I still think there's loads that we can find out there. We don't have to necessarily go back to the archives past no. as soon as And cultural things as well. Do either of you have in your back pocket a little skill or a little thing that you can remember being taught way back when and which you just constantly think god I'm so pleased I know how to do that I think I think I just remember one one thing years ago he always taught me you know about tension tension was the one thing um, use your comb don't pull the hair too hard that was the one thing I always it's always stuck in my mind because I'm able to get a really clean line do you know what I mean rather than and finger positions and so on and so forth, how you hold your fingers, how you hold your scissors. And it goes back to those really, really start points that really stick in your mind. They're the things that really kind of teach a, teach a student to hold his scissors correctly. Yeah, I mean, so that's been your It starts off like, yeah, that basic, it really does. And once you've got that, then they can move on to the next thing. And it really is those little you. things, yeah. yeah, those little things that really stick in your mind to get a good result. What was the question again? So, <laughs> what's, your, what's the skill you have in your back pocket that you kind of like find yourself almost on a daily basis thinking, I'm really pleased I can do that? I was fortunate to learn from Stelios, who was not a technical hairdresser. I learned a little bit like yeah. you. I didn't learn from a technical foundation. I started with, a, you just touch the hair and you feel it and it feels right, Brett. And I was always super confused over that. Yeah. It wasn't until I went to Sassoon's that somebody, they sort of turned the light on for me. And as a technical person, I got it. But what I never lost was that, that sense of like touching hair and feeling hair. And I think I still have that to some degree in relation to textures and stuff like that. And that's why I find working with yeah. the little idiosyncrasies in hair really, really enjoyable. Because I think it's a bit like a beautiful table, you know, they're all original, you know, beautiful timber tables, they all have their own little knots and, and unique components to them, yeah. and hair's a bit the same, yeah. and I love studying hair like that and, and seeing the, the little tweaks. The visual aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. The, the little tweaks that are individual to you or individual mm. to you, and, and you know, no two hair, no two hairs and no two clients are the same, so because of that, it's nice to, it's nice to understand how to look at them a little bit. Okay. Really interesting conversation with lots of food for thought there. So I'm going to take a little straw poll of the people at the table. Know the past and shape the future. Agree or disagree? Oh, totally agree. Brett? Completely. <laughs> I thought you were going to say. Agree, agreed. Yeah, I agree. But with the with the, a little whisper on the know the past and shape the future. 100%. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Andy, and thank you, Brett. It's been brilliant having you. Our pleasure. Our thank pleasure. You so thank much. you so much. Good. I'm Nikki Pope, and together with Lily Cox, we have prepared some show notes for you on this week's topic of understanding how the past informs the future. Please scroll down and read them on your iPhone or the screen wherever you're listening to the podcast. 
Please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to us on iTunes. And if you'd like to join in the conversation, you can email us at info at ihaa.co.uk. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs>